Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sweetness, God, of your presence and your Holy Spirit already being here. And God, as we open your word now with Bibles in hand, Lord, we ask that you would anoint this time and bless it, God, that you would continue to minister to us through your spirit. God, fill this place. Fill our hearts, God, with your spirit that we may understand your word before us, that you may speak into our hearts, that we may, God, be able to rise up above our situations, our, 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 our circumstances, our, our habits, Lord, our sinful habits, our flesh, and, and even rise up above the, the warfare, the spiritual warfare going on. And as Peter's been talking to persecuted believers, Lord, you are speaking to us. You've been speaking to our hearts. So, Here we are, our hearts before you, our ears attentive, God, our mind put upon you. And so, Lord, we want to hear from you. And we ask this, God, speak to us. Lord, give us a word. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Through the years, um, famous individuals have had the privilege of speaking at graduation ceremonies to, like, encourage graduates. You guys know you know, as, as you graduate college or high school, closing out that chapter of your life and go, entering into a new chapter of life. And with that, I, I came across some quotes uh, from speeches that actually ring some funny truth. Like, first of all, this NPR radio host, uh, two guys, Tom and Ray uh, Magliozzi, once said in a graduation speech, you will never have more energy or enthusiasm, hair or brain cells than you have today. I uh, thought that was good. Yeah, you know, when you're young, right? A writer and artist, Albert Hubbard, told graduates, don't take life too seriously. No one makes it out alive. And that's true. We're all going to die one day. But with Jesus, we'll be in heaven. Uh, comedian, magician Robert Orban made this comment. A graduation ceremony is an event where the commencement speaker tells thousands of students dressed in identical caps and gowns that individuality is the key to success. Oh, that, that was a good one. Well, finally, let me give you one more. Muhammad Ali, you know, the famous boxer, prize fighter. Well, he was classic. When he told graduates, closing out their schooling, if they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, they can sure make something out of you. (laughs) I thought that was classic Muhammad Ali. Well, as we come to our last message, our last look at uh, study in the book of 1 Peter, Peter comes to his closing words. He comes to his final words here to the believers reading this, and he makes this appeal to them as he closes this out. So the title of our message this morning is Peter's Closing Appeal. Peter's Closing Appeal. And with that, uh, we're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. 12 through 14, finishing up this book. And with that, we're going to see four things. Number one, He's going to close his appeal by calling the believers to be faithful, number one. Number two, to be unshaken. Be unshaken. Number three, be loving. And number four, be at peace. So four things we're going to discover here. And I believe God is speaking to us this morning. So 
Peter's closing appeal, our title once again. And let's begin with number one, be faithful. Be faithful. And here we're going to just be uh, bringing in verse 12, just the first part. So take a look with me here now. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. And he says here, By Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him. So let's stop right there. Here we being, begin with uh, Peter closing this letter out. And he, he closed things out by mentioning by Sylvanus. This letter was actually written by Sylvanus. That's what he's saying. Now, yes, Peter is the author, but Sylvanus is the one who wrote it down while Peter dictated it. So this is what he's putting forth here. By Sylvanus, he wrote this while I dictated. Now, Sylvanus is actually the same guy named Silas. In Acts chapter 15, we're introduced with him. He traveled with Paul on the missionary journeys. Uh, like Paul, we know, understand from the book of Acts, he was a Roman citizen. He had Roman citizenship. And we know in Acts chapter 15, verse 32, that he had the gift of prophecy. So he could share the word. He would teach and preach the word. So this guy was really precious. But here we find Silas. He's serving God by writing this letter. He's the one who actually wrote the letter while Peter dictated it. And perhaps my thought is maybe Peter's handwriting is really bad. And so remember, this letter is being read to the churches. And, and so it was probably better Silas wrote this because his handwriting maybe is better. And so Peter dictated it. And plus, it was common back then to have that happen. And we know that many of the letters in here, as well as Paul's letters, epistles in the Bible, were written by someone else while they dictated it. So Silas here, or Silvanus, he, he's the one who, who wrote this. So that's why Peter says, by Silvanus. So he had dictated this. Now, also, it's believed that Silas here, Silvanus, it, he actually delivered the letter too. So not only did, it, did he write, write it for Peter, like, you know, as he dictated, he also took the letter and then went from Rome to the churches and delivered the letter, like brought it to churches, and they read this letter to the church, and this was like their Bible study. So this guy is awesome. So Peter, here, as he closes up the letter in verse 12, He's, he's recognizing Silvanus, Silas. He's like, you know, at the end of the movie, you get credits and you usually skip it. But it's like his name's there because he took part in this letter coming into being. And I like to think about how Peter recognizes him. That, look, it's not just Peter, but, but Silas is here part of, of this creation, what has come together. He has served the Lord doing his part. And that's important, isn't it? Now, 1 Corinthians 1, 12, 20 says, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What's Paul talking about back then? Well, that we are members of the body. We are parts of the body of Christ. And each one of us has an important role as we are together in the church in the body of the Christ. And so we all make up the different parts, just like a body has different parts. Hands, legs, eyes, ears, all of that. And, and so Paul's talking about 
every one of us is very important in the body. Now, one person is more important than the other. We, we need each other for the body to function. So I see Peter here recognizing Silas here. I see Peter saying, look, this guy, he is faithful. Notice he says next, he says, a faithful brother. The word faithful here in the original language means loyal. It means uh, trustworthy. He's reliable. He's dependable. So Paul's like, hey, this brother, this, this fellow brother in the Lord, he, he's faithful. and I, He's there. You can rely upon him serving God and being there when you need him. Matter of fact, he says here by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him. The word regard means he accounts to him this faithfulness. In other words, Peter's like, you know what? You can count on him and I count on him. So here's Peter recognizes Silas as one who is faithful in what? Doing his part, right? Furthering the kingdom of God. And what did he do here? He helped, and as Peter dictated, he wrote this letter. I, 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 I like this. I like what is being said here. You know what? As we look at Sylvanius, as he's being recognized, God is calling to us right now. God is calling out to each one of us to do your part, to do our part in the body of Christ and furthering the kingdom of God. So Peter's saying, be faithful. Be faithful. The Lord is saying, be faithful in fulfilling your part in the body. Be faithful in that. I was thinking about how the other year in the headlines, uh, in, in a lot of Christian sites, there's articles, and, and the headline was called The Great Resignation. And that kind of caught my eye when I was reading it. It was referring to how pastors in full-time ministry were, were quitting. During the COVID time, that pandemic in 2020, uh, they say more than 4,000 churches closed and over 20,000 pastors left the ministry. And the article went on to say, and even there's some current ones now, talking about that the current pastors, about 50% current pastors, say they're considering leaving the ministry now. Uh, other than reasons of, like, there's lists of reasons, the top reasons, there's been surveys made. Uh, some of the top reasons, and other than these reasons of stress, loneliness, uh, division in the church, you know, some of the things that have affected pastors is overwork, lack of support. That added to the pastors wanting to quit or leave ministry. It's so sad to me to read that, to hear that. Well, here's God. Uh, Talking to us through what Peter's writing, recognizing, hey, this guy, he's been a servant. This guy has been doing his part in, in the body. I mean, you think about it. Whatever God wanted him to do, he did, right? He's a missionary. He preached the word. He, he, and here he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll write for you, Peter. Oh, yeah, I'll go deliver this. Whatever he could do, he did his part in there in the body. Now, I don't talk about this great or mention this great resignation uh, to say, uh, say it so you feel sorry for me. Uh, don't, don't. You know, I've had my shares in, in the same things that a lot of pastors go through. We all go through it. I, I had my share in those things. I have my share through the past years and, and pandemic trials and things like that. But you know what? God has spoken to me. And I, I've, I've, the Lord's been ministering to my heart. 
And he's been telling me, hey, Rick, be faithful. Be faithful. Don't stop. Keep serving. Fulfill your part in the body of Christ. And that's what the Lord's been speaking to me, and that's what I feel like he's saying to us today. Let's be faithful to what God is calling you to do. And don't limit it to just one part. Look, look at Silas. As we know of his life, he's a missionary. He goes out, partners with Paul, right? Um, he preaches the word. He had the gift of prophecy, they said. So he, he would go share the word. But that didn't stop him from just humbly writing down what Peter said and then humbly taking that letter and going to different churches. We should be open to whatever God is calling us to do, asking us to do. We should be faithful. Are you willing to faithfully do your part in the body of Christ? Too many of us, we, we do just sit. And I mentioned this the other week. I think it was on a Wednesday night that, you know, the saying goes, you know, uh, 10% of the church is 90% of the work, right? There's numbers like that. Or 10% give, 90% don't. It, 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 it's just the way things are, sadly. But that's not what God meant our church body to be. He wants us to take part together in furthering the kingdom of God, whatever that means. Whatever that means, moving chairs, setting up, uh, 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 making a coffee, serving in cake eaters, whatever that means. Taking what you've learned and, and what the Holy Spirit ministered to you and going into your life during the week and sharing Jesus, that's furthering the kingdom of God. So here's Peter recognizing Silas here, and he's saying, be faithful, be faithful. And I'm saying, let's not just sit here anymore right? Let's not do this. Time is running short. I mean, I'm getting older and time's running short, but at the same time, Christ is coming soon and, and things are moving and we need to do our part, not just sit there. Vance Havner wrote this, I believe in loyalty to the local church. I don't believe in that view of the invisible church that makes you invisible at church. I love that. I love that. We shouldn't be just going in and out, this invisible. No. Silas did whatever God called them to do. Silas did, went wherever God called them to do. God called them to be that missionary, that preacher, giving the word to write for Peter and carry the letter. How about you? Are you willing to serve God in whatever, wherever God may have you or place you or call you to do? Let's have that mindset, and let's be faithful. All right, so in Peter's closing appeal, number one, he says, be faithful. Number two, be unshaken. Be unshaken. So look at verse 12 once again. He goes on after by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him. He says this, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God, Stand firm in it. So Peter now really comes out and he's saying something. He's, he's putting something forth, encouraging the readers, the believers who are going to read this letter. So he starts out saying in the second part of verse 12, I have written briefly to you. He's saying, well, this is a short letter. I've written briefly to you. To, and the purpose really is to exhort you, to, to declare to you now, these truths. That's what he's kind of putting forth here. I know he says it's, he's written briefly, 
And it's five chapters for us, and we could read it in one sitting. But we've taken, I believe, like including today, 31 messages. Uh, 31 uh, 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 times we've gathered together to study God's word here. So I know it wasn't brief. But for Peter, ah, it, was, it, it was a short writing. And so he wrote to exhort them, to encourage them, to tell them, look, this is what you got to do. And what was he declaring? He said, declaring, he says here in verse 12, that this is the true grace of God. What is he talking about there? Well, we talked about grace last time. But here, I believe he's talking about the word of God, the truth of God, the grace that is found in the truth of God in our salvation in Jesus Christ, in the message of Jesus Christ, in how we are saved by grace through faith and God's grace is upon us to give us forgiveness through Christ's death on the cross. So when he says the grace of God, I believe he's talking about the truth of God, salvation in Jesus Christ. I believe he's talking about what he wrote here, the word of God. We have it in our Bibles now. It's part of our Bibles. This letter that Peter wrote, right, uh, almost 2,000 years ago, it is now part of our Bible, and we consider this the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit inspired Peter in what he said here, that this is how we got it, this is what we're looking at, the truth of God here in our hands that speak of the grace of God through the salvation in Jesus Christ, this is what we find here, God's Word. So here's Peter. He says, look, I, I, I wrote you a short letter, uh, but understand this letter contains the true word of God. This is a message from God. And what was the message, right? To help, right, these believers who are going through much persecution. Remember, we have, as we've gone through this book, I gave you the background that Nero, Caesar Nero has turned on all the Christians. He's persecuting, burning them. He's um, putting them, you know, uh, to death. And society was already against Christians. Now they're really, they have license now since Peter is going, I mean, since Nero is going against Christians now. So Peter writes here to encourage these believers going through much spiritual warfare, much suffering, much pain, much persecution. And so he says, look, you guys, I, I declared this to you. So that you would know this, yeah, that you would trust what I'm saying, that you would hear a message from God that what I say, look, I wanted to encourage you, exhort you here that this is the true word of God, the true grace of God in your life. Remember our, our theme for uh, the book of First Peter? Our theme is grace and hope in troubling times. And that was the underlying theme of everything that Peter wrote, what we studied here. So with that, he says, look, I wrote briefly to you. This is the true word. This is God's message. This is the grace of God. This is the truth and the salvation we have in Christ. And in that salvation, it means everything to us. It's how God works in our life. So then Peter calls on us, the readers of this book, at the end of verse 12, stand firm in it. Don't you love that? Stand firm in, in what he's told us. Stand firm in what we've studied here. Stand firm in the promises and the perspective that Peter has given us to keep going, keep persevering. Stand firm in what God wants you to do and what we learn 
in this book. If, if you missed it, go back. You can go back, go to our Spotify or even Apple Podcasts. You can grab the messages, YouTube. Uh, you can go through the messages again and, and, and go through it if you missed it. Because there are some rich things that the Lord has given us here in this book. Stand firm, it means maintain your place, basically. Stay there. Stay with Jesus. Stay trusting him. Stay in faith no matter what you're going to. Peter's like, hold on to what God says here. This is his word. This is his message. This is his promise to us right here. So believe in it. Trust in his salvation. That, yeah, you you came to Jesus, you got saved, but trust that he's going to get you what? all the way through our message last week, right? So be faithful in what was written here. Hold on to it. Stand firm in it. The same idea, remember uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Peter said the same thing. If you look up at chapter 5 here, verse 9, and when we talked about how to win against the devil, right? How to fight against the devil was our message. In verse 9, it says, Resist him firm in your faith. The word firm there means be determined. So be determined. Know God. Know that he's greater than Satan. And be firm in the word here. Listen to what uh, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 verse 2. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace. That's that salvation. That's that life we have with God in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we stand in this truth of God that we have salvation in Christ Jesus. And our salvation encompasses our life here as we live on this earth. And our, 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 we stand on the promise and his word that the truth that when we die, We will go to eternity, to heaven. That's what we know. This is the truth. This is what Peter's saying. Hey, stand firm on that. So Peter's calling the readers of the believers here, the, the believing readers here, and us today, he calls on you and I, be unshaken. Be unshaken in your faith in the word of God, in what it says. This book is real, you guys. It's an ancient book, but it's just as alive as it was back in Peter's day as it is today because it's God's word. And God is alive. He's eternal. This is his word, and we can put our faith in what's written in here. A mother was surprised to see her five-year-old going through a brand-new storybook Bible that she had just given uh, um, her. It was like a kid's Bible. Well, she was going through each page of this Bible, taking a crayon and circling the word God wherever it appeared on the pages. Well, the, it was hard for the mother not to scold, you know. Wow, it's a brand new book and you're, you're drawing crayon. But, uh, um, uh, but she stayed calm and asked her, her, her five-year-old, Honey, why are you doing that? Well, the little girl said, so I will know where to find God when I need him. I love that, you guys. Do you know where you can find God? Right here in the Bible. You can find God right here for every need, everything 
you need. You can find out who he is. You can find out who we are. You can find out the truth of how he saved us and what that means. You can find forgiveness. You can find grace. You can find mercy. You can find that God is, is working in the lives of believers right now in your life, right now, no matter what's going on. It's here. It's in this book. You have to believe it, you guys. Be unshaken in your faith in the word of God. Listen, believe, believe that God will never forsake you or leave you, right? That's what the word says. Believe that as we submit, yeah, to God. Remember, we studied here how Peter brought up, hey, submit to your employer. Let me work out the other details. Even the bad employer. Submit to the government, right? Even the bad government. They were under what? Rome. And Peter says, look, submit, trust God in it. Remember, he said, wives who are married to husbands not following the word, submit. God's going to work it out. Husbands who are having problems with their wives, submit. God will work it out. He has a plan in this. Be a light and witness. Believe the truths that are in here. Believe that God will get you through, right? We saw that last week. Believe that, that greater is he than he that is in the world. We quote that. Do we believe that? Believe that, that, that uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that? Do you understand that? Do you believe that he can deliver you? Do you believe that he can provide for you? Right? My God shall supply all my needs. Right? Philippians 4. Do you believe that you, God will strengthen you? Paul wrote in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me are you struggling with some habitual sin are you struggling with 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 something in your life you know it's wrong you know what do you believe that whom the sun sets free is free indeed do you believe that we can make the choice now we're, we're not in bondage to our flesh romans 6 that we can no longer yield ourselves to unrighteousness but we can yield ourselves to righteousness do you believe that do you believe what the prophecies say about Jesus returning? Do you, believe, do you believe Jesus is coming soon? Yes, I do. And as it's been said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> right? Let's believe, you guys. Let's, let's be unshaken in what the Word of God says. And God has the power to help you, to free you, to be there for you. And you know what? Believe it. Believe it. Well, here's Peter's closing appeal. Be faithful, number two. Be unshaken. And now number three, be loving. Be loving. Here we're going to look at verse 13 uh, to the first part of verse 14. Take a look. First Peter chapter 5, verse 13. I mean, chapter 5, yeah, verse 13, it says, she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Okay, Peter now, he's closing out the letters. He's giving some, some greetings as custom. Uh, hey, here's some guys over here. They want to say hi and say aloha to you guys too and all that. So that, that's what we're coming into. And so Peter passes on these greetings, and he, he gives their regards to the readers, these believers who are reading this letter. So first of all, he mentions from, here's, here's a, a well-wish, you know, from she who is at Babylon, who is likewise 
chosen, she sends her greetings. So who's this? Well, most of the commentators believe that this is sort of a covert way to say that the church in Rome passes on their greetings and their well wishes. Uh, Babylon would be used for the world, right? Um, and so because of the persecution going on, Peter's trying to hide and make sure, you know, they're safe. So he just says, she, who's she? Well, those are the chosen, like, likewise the chosen. And others, just like you guys, believe in our saved in Christ, basically. He's saying that she, the, the church, who is at Babylon in Rome, Hey, we're, we're, they, they want, they're giving their wishes to and greetings and well-wishing to you. So here's the church in Rome, and this is where Peter's writing this in Rome. Uh, it says, look, we, they're giving their blessings to you too. And then he says, and so does, verse 13, Mark, my son. Now, who's Mark? Well, Peter, this isn't Peter's son. This is Peter's spiritual son. We know him as as uh, John Mark, uh, Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark, Mark who uh, uh, was discipled by Peter. So Mark is right there with Peter. Peter discipled him. Uh, they say that when Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark, uh, it was probably Peter telling him the stories of what he experienced, and he wrote that down. It was John Mark who, who we believe was in the garden Right and and there who ran ran off when Jesus was being arrested. So this is John Mark, but this is also the Mark who bailed on the Apostle Paul on the missionary journey, and then um, Paul didn't want to take him when he went on a journey again. And Barnabas said, "No, no." Barnabas was trying to, you know, restore him and everything. Paul said, "No, not right now. He's not ready." But we find in Second Peter, a second uh, no Second Timothy. 411 that Paul wrote about Mark and say he's useful to me so praise the Lord God's grace God's restoration and that he can still use us no matter how much we had failed him so here's Mark the spiritual son here's the church in Rome coming as we come to the end of this letter giving their greeting the believers in Rome and Mark with Peter they pass on basically their greeting their love to the believers who are reading this so that, that that's the idea here now I feel like they're doing this to let the believers who are reading this know that hey we're, we're thinking of you hey our, our, we wish you the best we, we we're passing on our love to you you know why look up at first peter chapter 5 verse 9 once again and the second part of the verse if you remember we studied this it says knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world so i feel like that if you remember when you studied this that uh, uh peter's saying look you're not alone in this suffering in this persecution you're not the only one going through this so i feel like here peter is bringing their greeting passing it on saying hey us guys in rome we're reaching out to you in love to make sure you're not alone you're being prayed for we're thinking about you your thoughts are there we haven't forgotten you and gotten lost in our own troubles. And I think we can do that, don't we? I, I get lost in my own troubles and not think of others. But here Peter's like, hey, these guys, these guys, they're, they're, they're thinking about you. You're not alone in this. And then he says in verse 14, he says, greet one another with the kiss of love. The, so with that love, with that care in mind, Peter calls on the believers 
who are reading this letter as he's closing this up. He says, and you know what, you guys, you guys, greet, greet each other with that kiss. Now, culturally, that's what they did. Back then in the Middle East, they, men to men, women to women, they kiss on the cheek. You've probably seen that in movies and in shows and things like that. So that was cultural in that. But Peter's saying, you know what, don't just greet each other in that cultural kind of thing that we do and kiss, right? He says what? Greet one another with the kiss of what? Love. And the word there is agape. The Greek word, the original word is agape. So I see Peter really bringing out here, look, don't just give this kiss when you greet each other like we all grew up doing. That what we do here in Israel, you know, as Jews. No, but you know what? Really show love with it. Really show the agape love. He's saying be loving. You know why? Because that agape love is the bond that keeps the church together when we go through our trials as a church. When we go through persecution. When the devil comes in trying to cause division. When, 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 when we're attacked as a church body. What keeps us together? Love. Love. This agape. Unconditional love for one another. And we can get through those times, those tough times, together with this love. So this is what Peter's putting forth here. As he mentions the church in Rome and Mark, hey, you know, they love you guys and they're thinking of you even though we're, we're so far away. You, uh, you know what? We're still praying for you guys. We still love you guys. And then he calls on the church, greet one another with this kiss of love. Do that greeting, but you know what? Do it out of true agape love that we have together as believers is what the Holy Spirit has put in us, as what, how God has loved us and how we are to love one another now. So Peter is calling today these believers, but I would say to you and I too, he's calling us to be loving by showing love to one another, real agape love to one another. This um, made me think about how God uses all of us as tools in the church. And um, I was reading this illustration, but it kind of brought to mind like how you and I are tools in the church. And, and you know what? Some like to be the hammer. They come down on each other with criticism, always judging. Some like to be the screwdriver. They turn and twist their legalism on others. Some like to be that metal file in the toolbox, rubbing people the wrong way, hurtful in their opinions. But here, I believe God is calling us to be a tool of his love, a tool of love. And what we read earlier, as we stand upon his truth, it's love and truth together. We can give the truth, but without love, it, it, it's, it, it can be harsh, right? We can give the love without the truth, but then uh, we, we kind of smooth over or, or sweep under the rug things that we need to deal with. I, I was coming to mind right now uh, something that Wearsby wrote a long time ago was uh, love without truth is hypocrisy and truth without love is brutality. But we need a balance of both as Paul, I mean Peter just talked to us about the true grace of God, stand firm on the word, but now he comes into E, love each other though. Yeah, stand on the word, but let's love each other. So God's tool we need to be is love and truth. Love and truth go hand in hand with God, so we need to give truth with love and love others in the truth. So that's God. This is the tool that will 
change our church. This is the tool that changes our family. This is the tool that changes lives. And this is what even changes you. Love and the truth. All right, so Peter's closing appeal. We see number one, be faithful. Number two, be unshaken. And number three, be loving. Number four, our last thing we're going to see, and this is our, our last heading, be at peace. Be at peace. All right, so Peter here closes things out. The very last part of verse 14, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Here we come to the final part of this letter in our study in 1 Peter chapter 5. And, he, and Peter closes things out with this blessing, basically. He blesses them. He greets them. He gives them a, 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 a wish, his regards. But this is his blessing. Peace to all of you. And to who? To those who are in Christ, to those believers reading this. So, this is a special word to those believers, right? In the middle of persecution, they're suffering. Many have lost their homes, lost their jobs. Uh, the, the future is dark to them, and it's a hard time. It's a painful time. Perhaps families are being divided where some believers are holding to Christ, but some are, 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 are going their own way in the world, and it's, it's just a total hard time. But Peter ends with actually what he started way back in verse 2 when he said, peace be multiplied to you. He ends all of this and he gives them, he wishes on them, he blesses them with the one thing that is needed, peace. Peace is needed at this time. The peace of God. In the midst of sufferings and trials, isn't that what we need? We need peace, don't we? We need that peace in our heart, a peace from God, a peace to calm our fears and worries, the peace to cause our, uh, calm our, our suspicions and, and the things that are, are making our head spin and our heart be, be pulled along and dragged emotionally. We need God's peace. We need that peace that passes all understanding that, that Paul talked about in, in Philippians 4 that when he said, do not worry. Right. But but with thanksgiving and supplication, you know, let your requests be made known unto God so that the peace of God that passes understanding that doesn't make sense. You would have a peace would guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. That that's it. You guys, that's if, if there's anything we can wish on someone else that we can pray for, especially those who are going through much trial. It's peace, right? It's peace. I believe Peter perhaps was speaking this because he was thinking about his experience. I think he's speaking from experience. Back when the disciples were hiding out in the upper room, remember Jesus had been arrested, put upon the cross. He died now. They're, they're, they're behind locked doors in the upper room. They don't know what's going to happen. Will the religious leaders come for them now? What's going to happen? Are they going to die too? Will they be arrested? Will, be they taken? Will they be taken with the mob and, and just beaten? What, what's going to happen? So th they're full of fear, locked behind these doors in the upper room, probably wondering, oh, man, what's happening now? They're heartbroken. They're, their Savior, their Lord, they followed for three years. They, they gave everything to, has died. They weren't understanding at this point what's, what's going on. But what happened? Well, in John 20, 19, suddenly the presence of God 
fills the room. And who's there in their midst? Jesus, the risen Lord. And what was Jesus' first words to them? Peace be with you. That's what we need. We need that peace, don't we? Suddenly, the mood changed. Suddenly, hope came in. Suddenly, peace filled their hearts and this whole room came to a settledness because Jesus was there. So, in a similar way, Peter is calling you and I, be at peace. How? In Christ Jesus. Be a peace to all of you, Peter says, who are in Christ. That's the way we can have peace, to be in Christ. Be at peace, for you are in Christ. You are saved. And find that in Christ. How's your life right now? Is it going crazy? Are you stressed out? You can't sleep? All you can do is think about this one thing? Maybe, maybe the only way you can, you can find rest is, is get into things you, you shouldn't be getting into. It's maybe even check out. Or maybe you do sleep and you sleep too much because that's the way you check out. Maybe you start drinking. Maybe you start medicating because it's so hard. But that's not going to do anything. It will, those things will never give you peace. You can only find peace. Where? In Christ. From God. The peace of God. And so go to Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the Lord calling out to us right now, today. Whatever your struggles, whatever the trial is, whatever the temptation, whatever that spiritual warfare going on, whatever the suffering and pain that you're enduring right now and you're trying to hold on, you know what? We can keep going with the peace of God. And Jesus wants to give that to you today. Turn to the left. Turn over to John chapter 14. John 14, and this is Jesus speaking, and I believe this is Jesus speaking to you today. Jesus has a message for you, a word for you today. If you're connected online, this is Jesus speaking to you. If, at the sound of my voice, if you're just listening to this later on a podcast, this is the Lord, the Holy Spirit, using this message to speak to you. Because Jesus, this is his heart, he wants to give you peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is Jesus. He wants to give you that peace. This is Jesus. He wants to give you a peace that passes understanding that God's peace. Not what the world says peace is but a peace that comes into the inside. So Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I'm here. And you'll know that because I'm going to give you peace right now. Do you sense the Lord right now? Do you sense Jesus? I do. I sense him through the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you peace, and he's giving you peace. Just by me saying, Just by me quoting Jesus, peace, I leave with you. That's Jesus speaking to you in your heart and wanting to give you peace right now. Go to Jesus. Get in Christ. Because only in Jesus will you find that peace. There's an old poem that goes like this. In the center of the whirlpool, while the waters rush around, There's a space of perfect stillness, though with turmoil 
it is bound. All is calm and all is quiet, scarcely even a sense of sound. So with us, despite the conflict, when in Christ his peace is found. Listen, this is the real peace we can find. The peace that is found in the praying one. It's the one who, is, who set themselves in the rock. It's, it's, it's the one, it's peace found in the one who's trusting God. It's this peace that no matter the external storms cannot touch this peace inside. That's what Peter's closing out here with. I like how this letter ends now back to 1 Peter. I'll say it again. It ends with peace, but the last two words are who are what? In Christ. You got to be in Christ. You got to have Christ in your life. If you have not given your life to Christ, this is the time, you guys. Perhaps the situation is calling for you. God is calling through the situation for you to give your heart to Christ to give him your life, to finally pray and accept him, ask for forgiveness and be saved by Christ and free. Is your life in Christ? Give your life to Christ, all of it. Because you know what? Jesus is all we need, right? If we have Jesus, we're going to get through. If we have Jesus, we'll have the peace. If we have Jesus, everything is taken care of. Make sure you're in Jesus. I'll close with this. There was a shipwreck, and sadly, the only survivor was a boy who was swept into the sea, but the waves then washed him up on a big rock that was on the shoreline. He sat there the rest of the night until morning. When rescuers arrived in the morning, finding the boy, they asked him, did you tremble while you were on the rock during the night? Because it was cold. The boy replied, I trembled some, but the rock didn't. I love that thought, you guys. I love that. Jesus is your rock. He's the rock of our salvation. From beginning, middle, to all the way to the end, and to eternity. He is our rock. He's the one who gets us through. Believe it. Know it. Trust him in it. Be settled on that fact. And have peace. He is our rock. So let you and I be undaunted, unwavering, unmovable, stay faithful, unshaken, uh, loving, and be at peace. As what Peter is, has put forth to us here today in his, in Peter's closing appeal. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, You've been speaking to all of our hearts. And I know you've been stirring mine up, God. And that, Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. God, I want to hold and stand firm on your word and the truth that I know is in it. I want to stand upon the promises that you've given us, Lord, as your children, as believers in Jesus Christ. God, that we would hold on to that. Lord, I know that you can allow trials and you allow, Lord, uh, uh, situations and circumstances to happen and it's not fun but it's not purposeless you have a plan God and even when other people's sins or other people's choices affect us God your 
so powerful and amazing and sovereign that you can even use someone's bad, even our own bad, to do good and to be glorified in it. So God, open our eyes to that fact that we would not give up, give in. Lord, that we would be unshaken, undaunted. We would be unmovable in living our life for you in obedience, God. So, Lord, we know that the only thing in this life that really matters is you, God. It's your word. It's our relationship with you. So we are here, God, to surrender our lives to you, to commit to you, God, everything, even even the things we're struggling with, God, even our suffering and pain, even the trials and troubles. God, we, we lay them at your feet, Lord. We're never going away, God. We don't want to. There's no one else but you. You're our rock, God, so we come to you and we need your help right now. And Lord, we want to commit our lives to you in obedience to the truth and your word and to the grace and forgiveness and salvation that you have done in our lives. God, here we are. We want to be your living sacrifices, given, surrendered, totally, God, holding nothing back, holding nothing back, God. We are here. Here we are, Lord. Open blind eyes, God. Open deaf ears. Break through hardened hearts. Reach down into our very soul and being and pour your love out. Pour your peace out. In Jesus' name.